I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip-hop by the numbers on Twitter. We use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of The Fifth Element, where I highlight The Fifth Element hip-hop. Which is knowledge. 23 years in this bitch and I'm still here. Decade after decade. Evidently, I must be doing something, mate. Word to my boy, Ben. Let's get it, diggy digits. I mean, you, you ain't. You, I mean, you ain't easy, but um, we'll, we'll we'll suffice. This will suffice. <laughs> Where is this from? This is not logic, is it? Dark. No, it's not logic. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, th- no, it's dark side. It's dark side gun. Uh, Doctor Free. Okay, that's that's good. I'm I'm glad that we didn't go with the logic because yeah, he goes he goes words he goes words are easy. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm not. Imagine, imagine if it was, imagine if it was just logic. It just, I don't know. Yeah, you can't start the podcast off on such a bad foot, so I'm glad that you chose Dr. Dre in the end. Well, well done, well <laughs> done. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm always better than that. Come on, you know me. Um, so yeah, hi, Ben. Um, how's your week been? And just to jump, jump straight in. Uh, what have you been listening to this week? Hey, Charlie. Uh, week's been... Yeah, it's been another week. Uh, getting there, getting there again towards the end of the year, it's man. Been another seven days and something hours, yeah. How many we got? We got like thirty-eight of these podcasts now. I can't believe that we're into the high thirties. We're gonna be that's gonna be crazy, man. When we hit one year, or when I come in September and we do a live podcast, that's gonna be mm. wild. I've never done mm. a, I've mm. never done a podcast with someone in the room with me at the same time. That's gonna be. I don't know. People do it, so I'm sure we can do it. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's significantly easier than what we do now. Yeah. I should I'm, imagine. I'm sure, it's, I I'm should, sure it's much easier. Yeah. I should imagine. <laughs> uh, so I got into some good music this week. First off, Cameron's Purple Haze 2. Now, this is great. This this is going like top to bottom again, so best album to worst album. Um, the I thought the first iteration of this series, Purple Haze, is a certified classic. Like... Cam has never before or since touched that level where the beats and the style of songwriting matched. He has like this really uncanny delivery and he has a knack for storytelling. He has this flow. It's like a bulldozer. It's just, I don't know, it, nothing stops it. Like, nothing stops it. I would call it the Titanic, but the Titanic sunk. So, <laughs> theoretically, what, what the Titanic should have done is just broken through that ice. And that's what Cameron does. Purple Haze 2 is an incredible project. It's a perfect follow-up. The beats are insane. They're so varied. And Cam sounds just like he did in that... If anyone's ever seen that Rap City freestyle uh, in, like, 04, where he's, like, on the mic and counting money while he raps, it, unbelievable, man. Like, you got to go check that out. He just sounds so calm on the beat, but he's saying wild shit. And he's just telling real-life stories over piano chords. And Cam has always been a superstar behind the mic when he can actually be bothered to take his lyrical game out of second gear. And that's rare, honestly, because Come Home With Me, I think that was his first album on Rockefeller and then Purple Haze. They were both great projects because the right collaborators forced him into this bag. Like, he was... When he was on Diplomat's music, he had Jim Jones and Jewels next to him, so he dropped two legendary projects on Rockefeller because he was in Baseline with, like, Just Blaze, Kanye, 
state property and then go and buy a bar with Jay-Z uh, on Welcome to New York City. And Purple Haze 2 is just vintage cam. Like the stories are vivid, the bars stick in your mind. The beats are like summertime personified. Heatmakers, I think, produced over 50% of this project and they're mad underrated Heatmakers. I think it's two two people in Heatmaker. Could be just one. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm getting that wrong. But yeah, that's a brilliant project. I ran that back three times the other day and it came out on Friday and it's Monday. So that's a great project. Definitely recommend that. Uh, Burial Tunes 2011 to 2019. Burial is like the underground equivalent to Jay-Z musically. It's like an artist that kind of feels as though he levitates above the genre. And he may not have revolutionized the way electronic music sounds, but he created his own niche and kind of expanded it so it became the blueprint for those who aspire to have, you know, he has the internet salivating over every EP he drops. And I'm not saying his run is unprecedented because during the 90s, the British electronic scene was so vibrant and thriving that an artist or duo could just go on an EP run and turn themselves into basically household names like Boards of Canada, Aphex Twin, Alpine Stars. And honestly, every time Burial drops off an EP, it's a seismic event. And I'm really excited to listen to them. This collection of his work from last eight years feels a little bit disjointed and slightly odd because Burial's music feels pretty suited to EP length. He settles on a vibe and sound, and then he kind of goes about dissecting it from every single angle. And when you get a bunch of these cobbled together, it's pretty discordant and a random experience. But there's actual beauty in that, and I'm really happy he did it because I think we all need a place to go for Burial's just random releases. It's not the immersive listen I was thinking it was going to be, but to me, it's still a 9 out of 10 release. Like, this guy is a superstar. Uh, That's a really... I would recommend, if you like electronic music, just check that out. Rich Homie Kwan's Coma. Rich Homie Kwan lives in the DNA of every auto-tuned rapper slash crooner post-2013. Like, genuinely, genuinely, genuinely. And the crazy thing is, he only devotes three bars to this on the entire project. He just says something, I forgot what song it is, but he's like, basically, I've got a lot of children out there. But then he just hops off the topic immediately. Because it's just so played out at this point to claim your children in the game that he's above that. He seems to be above that, and I like that. And we have to remember where Rich Homie Kwan came from. He was standing next to Young Thug, and we're going to talk about this in this podcast because we're doing the, the, well, I won't give it away, but we will talk, I will talk about this. Both artists, Young Thug and Rich Homie Kwan, worked out their creative landscape on the tour, part one, which was 2013. And I honestly think that project will be a classic in five years' time, just due to the offspring it produced. But see, Rich Homie Kwan was always the metronome that showed just how insanely talented and inventive Young Thug is. And when Young Thug leapt into the stratosphere and became a critical success, Rich Homie Kwan was kind of left behind. But it's really nice to hear him back in the sound that he helped popularize. And this project is super solid. There's nothing totally overwhelming. It actually feels like a bad hangover. Uh, But it's kind of like one he just never seems to be able to escape. Like the lyrics are downtrodden and raw. The sentiments are kind of born of isolation, loneliness, paranoia. He rarely celebrates on this release. It's a pretty dark listen at times, but I really highly recommend it. I think it does a much better job of this than the three similar albums I reviewed last week, which were Roddy Rich, Trippy Red, and Smoke Perp. Like, this is clearly a guy who created 
at this genre and created a lane for those albums. And um, I think he's still one of the best at it. And then finally, current currency's back at Bernie's. Uh, his fifth studio album was Weekend at Bernie's, and it was a stomper. It was released under Warner, and it uh, it was one of his most commercially successful albums. If you love Currency, you will eat this up. But if you don't like Currency, this will sound like white noise because it's just current. It's just total Currency. Like there's nothing, nothing really new or exciting. Uh, he actually samples his ad lib and it reverberates around some of these tracks. And so if you don't like it, uh, I can't even do it. But it's just like him kind of moaning onto the mic. Uh, yeah, it's just I don't know, man. He's the hardest working artist in the world which is incredible because he seems to ingest like cruise ship loads of weed on a daily basis. And yet he just keeps putting out crazy amounts of projects. He's put out 64 projects this decade alone. That's more than Gucci Mane, which is wild. Mm. Uh, but it's it's a good listen. If you're a Currency fan, it's a, it's a solid listen. I would recommend it. If you're not a Currency fan, this is not, not really the place to start. So yeah, that's me for this week. What about yourself? Um, so... Again, it's just one of those weeks where I was just like um, busy slash um, listening to listening back to stuff over the year. Um, but I did get to Catronada's uh, Bubba from oh, yeah. which I said I was going to listen to last week, and I did yep. a couple of days after the episode uh, after after we recorded last episode. And uh, yeah, man, it's just Catronada dance dance records kind of kind of vibe. Uh, and yeah, it's an absolute bop to be honest. Actually. Ah. Uh, it's one of those albums that actually threw me back to um, old Ministry of Sound albums that my dad used to listen to. Oh, for and, real? Uh, that's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's that's I actually love that. yes. It's kind of that's kind of the vibe you always blasted um, back in the day. Like whenever we just like went in the car and like took a trip, it was just like blasting those you know dance tunes of yeah. of the nineties and stuff like that, and the garage and all that kind of stuff, and uh, basically anything that's on Kistry now, which is which is great, but. Um, uh, yeah, man, it's it's a, it's a great dance record to be honest. I'm obviously not um, into dance records as as uh, obviously just, it's just because it's Catronada and uh, you know he's obviously well known in hip hop circles. And uh, but yeah, man, he 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 does a he could do a mean dance record if he wants to. And uh, there's some great there's some great features on here. And uh, yeah, man, it's an absolute bop. And uh, it gives me like a throwback feel, which I which I always uh, enjoy. And uh, yeah, but other than that, it's just been it's just been listening to listening back to stuff. Um, I've I've got about a few more albums to talk about for the album list, and uh, then that's done. So hopefully by I don't know by hopefully next episode I'll have some stuff. Well, definitely by next episode, <laughs> I'll have uh, I'll have my list published, and I can uh, <clears throat> and I can finally uh, direct you guys towards that. But um, yeah, for now, it's just. Uh, yeah, for now it's just listening back to stuff and uh, some. Uh, bro, I'm, I again, I, 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 I've said this a few times uh, already, but like I'm just, ha- I'm so happy that like this is where I'm at right now in terms of lists. Because I said to you the other day, um, like looking at um, Fantano's list, and I was just like, I'm, I'm kind of glad like his top fifty albums only had there was like only three of uh, there was only like three albums that I. Uh, that I've put in my list and mine are significantly higher than where he put his and I'm mm. just like that's good because I feel like I don't have his taste at all um, overall and I think you said a good point which is like um, he I feel like he's well we feel like his uh, his lists are more catered to himself now that he's actually got um, 
uh, got um, I guess quote unquote clout and uh, can just do what he wants now and he reviews yeah. what he wants um, in, in in a way and you know obviously you say like I've been doing that since day one but you know that's that's not the case. you know as a, as a, you know you know this a lot of music review all music reviewers know this I don't because I'm not a music reviewer but I know what uh, they they have to do. You know, you have to listen to the stuff that you just might not like, and yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, obviously, I try to go. Everyone tries to go into it objectively, but you know, sometimes it just you just can't. You, you just can't sometimes, and you know, if it's doo doo, it's doo doo, and you have to write about it. And like, I, I don't like writing about doo doo. I don't, I don't care for it. Like, I, that's, I'm not here. For, I'm not here to give negativity. Like, to say this, sh- this is shit, and let me write mm. five hundred to a thousand words about it. No, I, I can't be asked for that. I don't really want to do that. It's not. It's not that kind. It's not my kind of vibe. So yeah, man. It's this. It's all good, and uh, yeah, I can't. I can't complain on that front. Um, the lists are going. The lists are going well. I just need to find some fucking time to do it. But other than that, it's all. This good. is this is gonna be end of year list, correct? Not a decade list. Yeah, but on a decade list. I mean, Jesus. Uh, I, yeah, I, I for, a, for a decade list, I felt like. Um, I said. I said to this like actually. T- <laughs> I said this like two years ago. Two years ago on Instagram, I said like. It'll be, it'll be so cool if I could just find some people, like from all walks of music life, and we could just like collab on like a just a big ass top two hundred. It could be like super definitive and have like stuff you never heard before, but also stuff that everyone's heard before. Just like a complete, absolute eclectic mix, and objectively like a really good list. But um, mm. yeah, I, I, one I don't have the people for that, and two. I haven't really been listening to music properly until, you know, 2016, 17. So, you know, it's kind of, obviously I've listened to music before that. And we're going to, I guess, talk about that in this, in this, in this week's episode. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I just didn't feel like maybe next decade, obviously, because I'm going, because we're going into new decades and I have this, you know, mindset of discovering new stuff and hopefully, yeah. So ne- next decade seems much more feasible to me personally if i'm gonna do it on my own uh but yeah nah that's not a decade this is just a year list um this is just 2019 in terms of the three lists i'm doing so songs eps and albums and uh and maybe hopefully some surprises here and there but um i'll keep my lips sealed on that one i'm keen for that list man i'm super keen because i want to know i want to know what's in there and what's not in there and yeah i'm, I'm keen for when's it going to drop in the next few days or uh well ho- hopefully i'm gonna try honestly i'm gonna try having it done tonight um and then i'll well guys just follow fifth element you know twitter and ig and all that Definitely. and uh and i'll I'll, la- I'll ask you the numbers don't worry about it so um, i'll give you i'll give you dates i will give dates um i'll just like slap it on there in terms of the three and if there are any surprises like i said um they'll just come when they come because <laughs> uh. <laughs> because they are not dependent on me uh but um yeah, man, it's it's gonna be good. Uh, probably probably just after. I'll probably just do all three after Christmas, to be honest. And so, um, there you go. There's a ballpark number for you. So between the 26th and the 30th. So between those days. All right, man. I'm keen. I'm super keen. Goody, should we crack? Should we crack on to our our topic this week? Yes. So I thought we well we thought we'd uh, keep it relatively chill um, in the next two episodes because obviously we have the last two episodes of the year. And most podcasts is actually um, just, <laughs> uh, most of my podcasts anyway, have just like hopped off the radar, just got like, okay, we're, we're gone until January, so bye. And here are we, like, still got two episodes to do. But um, I guess that just shows the grind we're on. We're grinding, um, man. We're working <laughs> too hard. We're hustlers. <laughs> the hustle. Um, 
And yeah, so for this episode, we're going to be talking, I guess, uh, recapping uh, the decade, uh, personally, musically, and uh, yeah, just keeping it loose on that front. And next week, we'll be recapping the year. Wait. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, we, I've, I've, I wanted to do the uh, the year first, but he, he he this this guy over here wanted to do the the uh, the decade first, so we're doing it his way. But uh, yeah, so we're doing next uh, next episode is the year twenty nineteen, and uh, this this episode is going to be the decade. So I mean, I don't know. I guess it's, you know, it's all, it's all up to you and when to where to begin. I don't know if you want to do it chronologically, like twenty tens and go like that, but because <laughs> I I ain't planned that hard. Just saying. Um, no, I mean I'm, like okay, I'll I've, go. I'll go where you want to go to be completely honest. Well, I found it hard to even sit down and think about how I was going to tackle this because, you know, we always speak about how the two thousands was a weird decade in hip hop yep. music. But <laughs> I honestly feel when I when I sat down last night and had pending. to and had to think about this, I feel like that bled well into the twenty tens as well. Like up until around twenty thirteen, I wasn't really sure when I was looking back on it. It was like. Yes, hip hop was in a great space, but we didn't really know where it was going to go. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't I don't concrete, know. was it? Like I've I've written some stuff down about. I, I, look, I know that eight oh eight dropped in two thousand and eight, but I feel like just to get it out of the way, we do have to speak quickly about the second wave of trap music that has just absolutely annihilated mainstream hip-hop since 2013 like 808s obviously came in 08 and then nothing really happened for a little while and then like you know obviously Kanye and 50 Cent had their sales battle and graduation versus uh Curtis Curtis Curtis. wasn't and Kanye won and that that was that was a seismic that was genuinely a seismic shift but then from like 08 to 2013 we didn't really know what was going to happen you know Kanye didn't run down the 808s path he went try- he tried to go back to true hip hop on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and watch the throne Nas tried to do that with life is good of course then we had like uh you know influential artists like Nicki Minaj who promised that she was going to spit bars but then she also delivered like super hardcore pop music and, you know, she was carving out her own path, but it's not a path that has yet been really imitated, even by female rappers. No one has really gone 50-50 for be- for pop. For better or worse. For better or worse. Like, even Drake, you know, it's not 50-50 pop. You know, his music, his pop-focused music still has a hip-hop edge to it. Nicki Minaj was genuine pop. Lil Wayne, who was influential in the mid-2000s, was way too scattered to be influential in the early 2010s. He, he tried rock music. And then he just went straight back to punchline rap. Eminem went down the pop route next to Nicki, although he actually used pop stars to sing his music. And then with regards to influence, he just faded into obscurity. Like, he 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 was not influential this decade. I'm just going to put it out there. Can Eminem I pose was a theory not... on Eminem, by the way? Sorry? Can I pose a theory on Go, Eminem? Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think I said, I said this... Um, I forgot what episode, uh, but... I said that when it comes to you know uh, uh, to growing your portfolio and uh, doing stuff outside of music, I feel like that was I feel like that is also a thing that 
happened to Eminem in terms of just why the quality went down. It's not the main reason. Um, I think there are reasons that we don't even know about, to be honest, um, as it pertains to him. But uh, I think a reason is just because he just branched out into other things. I mean, he, he has a whole Sirius XM radio thing right now, mm. um, Shay 45, and obviously that's doing his thing. Um, shout out to like Sway and them. Um, uh, uh, Rude Jude and that. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that requires some, that requires time, I assume, you know, and obviously from a business, from a business perspective, it requires, I think it always requires some time. And, but when we, when it comes to art, I think that also also requires a lot of your time, and you can't focus on that properly. And you know, I'm not I'm not saying Eminem's like you know, like fucking Stevie Wonder or anything like that. You know, it's not it's not like he's locking himself in a room. This is I'm writing the hardest bars all the time. You know, what I mean, it's not like that. I don't think I I don't think we think that for Eminem. Um, the dude can just spit on spot and it can be fire. But um, you know, I feel like the other things in his life were just like taking hold and you know for better or worse on that front um and i think the music suffered because of that because he was focused on other things and um and now i think he's focused on the wrong things <laughs> when it comes to what he talks about on the tracks now but uh yeah i, I think that's I, I think i said that with the i think it was with dream the dreamville episode because i said that with cole in terms mm. of like maybe like some of the reason why he's um, I mean, you've you've obviously changed on your opinion on Cole recently, and we'll talk about that mm. in, a, in a later episode. But um, yeah. you know, I feel like sometimes when artists branch out and do stuff apart uh, away from music, when they try and do music on top of that, sometimes it just um, you know the, some of the quality goes down because they're just you know you know they're spreading their brain all over the place, and when it comes to music or any type of art if you're really serious about it i think personally it requires all of your time and all of your focus so that's just a theory i've got on eminem but um obviously it's a just a theory because i don't know eminem's life so <laughs> yeah i think eminem went on a, i think the thing we have to remember is that eminem went on a run and a lot of us thought it was such a great run that he would just be part of the commercial and critical fabric for like the next 15 years because his first three albums were arguably classics and not many artists come into the game with three classics in a row and it was you know in hindsight it was just a run and obviously he had personal issues he was dealing with but relapse in my view is his last good album uh bad meets evil was good with royce but i'm not counting that because every time eminem and royce get together they seem he just seemed they seem to bring the best out in each other yeah and i think that was a great project but eminem's solo work just dipped and just on the on the topic of what you're saying i feel like that might have happened to nas this decade because definitely nas i'm not saying nas's quality was super low but even when i go back and listen to life is it good, was I'm a number like, one part you know no, and, and he, he dramatically dropped his output this decade, but a lot of people don't understand. Like, I posted some numbers up the other day showing how many... Like, that he hasn't had an RIA certification since Untitled in 2008. Nothing since then has been certified. So he's clearly dropped off the commercial radar dramatically. And I used it as a jumping point for a discussion about Nas in general and Nas's music. Like, do you feel like he's lost traction and relevance... And a lot of people said that he did. And if we're being fair on, you know, just objective, he hasn't dropped a huge amount of music this year, uh, this decade. 
But we have to remember, he's like an angel investor in so many things. He was massive in Bevel when it first started. Yep. I think he was an in investor in Genius. He's, uh, what do they call it? A venture capitalist. So he invests money. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. So, you know, as you say, like when you're involved in the business side of things, it does take your attention away, especially Nas. Like he has never really given us, for example, Jay-Z can do that because his whole career he's been rapping about his business as well as it's it's not as much of an art form to him as it is a business and he'll be the first if you listen to interviews he, he's been saying in his whole career Nas is like an art form he's a poet and yeah. poets don't often sit down and write poetry about balance sheets and excel spreadsheets <laughs> and about bottom lines and net profit and stuff yeah, like that and so yeah. i think that's why nas maybe dropped off the radar a little bit this decade i mean yeah i, th- I think it's perfectly a cl- a more clear example um in terms of the eminem theory i just gave and well the overall theory i just i give in terms of like artists that have the uh, venture out to other places i think nas is a great example for that um i think well he did he said like a few a few, a few like a month or so ago that um you know he doesn't want to celebrate ilmatic anymore um because he's you know he's got other stuff you know it's not just ilmatic for him anymore yeah. you know what i mean he's not it, for for many other artists out there you know the the more that are less commercially successful as nas um that they they ride they ride their seminal album for whatever it whatever the album is put one in your head if you want um they ride that till the wheels fall off because that's their bread and butter and that's you know that's fine you know that's just how it is sometimes um but for Nas it's not just Mac anymore he has he's he's good in other things he's fine he doesn't need to you know celebrate Mac as much as we'd love to celebrate Mac uh and you know I'd if it, if there's ever if he ever comes to the UK, you know, I mean, he did this summer, and I missed that, so I'm not gonna act like I've, you know, hopped on the chance, <laughs> uh, hopped on the chance to, but you know, it's just something that I've always want, I've always wanted uh, personally, but that's just me as a fan of Nas. But um, you know, it's just it's just how it goes. Um, from from for many artists, um, you know, it's the same it's the same when it comes to Rihanna, and we can um, I can I I'd like to steer to Rihanna actually because um. Mm. I find her decade so fascinating. Oh, unbelievable! Um, she could have she if she she. I th- I think there's like no. I I generally think when it comes to Rihanna, there is no. I want to I want to word this carefully. There is there 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 aren't many artists. I want, I, just, I don't want to say definitively, but there's not many artists out there that can that could have easily if they just wanted to, just drop an album every year. Doesn't matter what it is. And it would sell, 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 right? Mm. It, she Drake, could, she could Drake have done is an example. It, well, yeah, exactly. Drake. She could have done that if she really wanted to. If she wanted to, go for it. Tour, do all that malarkey. She, she could have raked in, but she decided to not draw music. It's been about uh, it's been about seven years since Anti, something like that. Six years. I you know what I mean? It's been a while. 2015, something like that. It's been yeah. a while. It's been a lot, it's been a while, and Anti was great. I need to listen to that again because um, I I listened to I listened to that through um, uh, uh, not not the best lens last time I listened to it, but um, you know, objectively, it's it's one of the best albums of the decade, and yeah, exactly. So one of the best albums of the decade, and uh, you know, and people keep badgering her for a new album. And I'm just like, 
I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we've, we've said that before in previous episodes, you know, that, uh, you know, if the artist doesn't want to drop anything, then by all means, don't drop anything. Um, and, but I think the fact that Rihanna has just, like, spread out in, I think, the smartest of ways and has created a brand for herself um, is actually fascinating. And I said this on In Search of Source, um, the latest episode that we just did, so that... Um, you know, she, I, I personally think that she has set the blueprint um, from a business sense uh, for me, for many other artists of the future. Um, obviously, there have been artists previously that have had endorsement deals and all that kind of stuff, but not exactly in terms of actually building a brand and building a business. Um, I think it's not just her name, you know what I mean? It's not just mm. Rihanna, it's Fenty, you know what I mean? It's, it's something different. It's not just her name on it. It's a whole different thing. And I think that's generally, in terms of looking forward to the next decades, is um, especially with the fact that, you know, business-wise for music and for hip-hop artists in general, well, for all artists in general, most of their money come, has to come from tour and merchandising now. Mm. Um, just dropping music isn't enough anymore. But The crazy, the crazy yeah. thing about Rihanna, sorry to cut you off. That's um, fine. It's just that it feels like she's done it so organically, though. You know, exactly. it doesn't. It doesn't it feel slow burn. at any point. It's it's just I don't it's know. She burn. just because you, you say the blueprint, but if it it feels like she fell into it, she didn't sit down and write out this plan and like I'm going to do it. Whereas other artists, I feel, have a very cultivated image, and I'm not throwing them under the bus for this, but I'm just saying this is clearly what happens. Uh, someone like Beyonce or Taylor Swift or Drake or Justin Bieber, where they feel very calculated and everything they do, you like, okay, I can see why you're doing that and it's working and that's great. But with Rihanna, it's like she just seems to do whatever she wants and it works. But there's clearly a method to it or maybe she ha- just has this in it. Because, she, you know, she's done movies, she's done fragrances, she does, she's done clothes, makeup, music, touring, you know, what has Rihanna not done this decade and not succeeded at? Uh, yeah, I but but do you think that she's imitatable in that sense? Like, is this a blueprint that can actually be followed? Or, as we talked about it on To Pimp a Butterfly, the podcast we did about that, and I said that, look, that is a blueprint, but there's not going to be many people who can actually follow <laughs> it. You have to be yeah, at the absolute yeah. pinnacle. Yeah. Do you think that Rihanna has made it like has she actually created a path for the people below her or do you have to be on Rihanna's level to actually achieve what she's achieved this decade well yeah that's a good point I think there is a matter of um I I guess a matter of uh, personality and a matter of tenacity to it to it um it's like you said it does feel organic it it feels calculated but calculated organic if that makes any sense like Mm. um it it feels like she wanted to fill certain needs from a business standpoint and you know uplift people in a certain way but also you know at the end of the day it's a thrive in a capitalist society um not to get into the the proletariat podcast again Ah, you know it's it's how it's how it's how it is and i think she's thrived in that sense but um yeah i do feel and and, you know it's this it's even though I say it's a blueprint, but we've we've seen this in many other places. There, there it's just like a there's a factor that there is a reason why 
you know, there are there are certain businesses around certain sectors that and around the yeah around the world that are that are just different, and it's just how it is. It's not just the fact that Coca Cola is Coca Cola. It's the fact that they mani- they have managed to market themselves in a way that is so unique. I actually, um, as a slight tangent, I watched a little mini documentary, uh, Shout Out to Voxes Explained on Netflix, amazing documentary series, like little 20-minute bites of just um, just really general stuff, and they did one on diamonds. And if you think about diamonds in just, in, in just a general sense, everyone knows the, the, the quotes like, <clears throat> diamonds are a girl's best friend, right? Um, you know the 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 two month salary thing when you when you when a man wants to well or a woman wants to buy a ring for you know for future uh, for future hubby or wifey right two month salary and all that right all of the th- most of the things that you know about diamonds have been marketed as such and they're not factual they're just marketing mm. and we've and we've just put it in the cultural lexicon as if it's normal. Um, I think when it comes bringing it back to Rihanna, I think obviously there is a even though it is a blueprint, like De Beers was a blueprint for diamonds, and like Coca Cola is for fizzy drinks, right? Or McDonald's is for burgers, right? Sure, there are better, there's better, you know, um, um, there's better places in their sectors for that kind of stuff. Um, Coke is doo doo compared to you know um, I'm drinking Iron Brew right now, <laughs> um, and uh, you know I, I, I McDonald's ain't the, ain't the ain't the hardest burger joint out there, but um, you know they're special for just marketing reasons and to, and for other reasons and just in terms of like their personality and an aura I guess, and I think Rihanna has that has that um, certain thing about her where it's not just the fact that she can. Um, she can be business savvy, but she can do it by just seeming like herself. If that makes any sense, you know, what I mean? it's just it's just it's just how it is. And some people have it, some people don't. And you know, even though you know, it's the same with TPAB. These are blueprints, but then the 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 point of being a blueprint is the fact that it's never easy to be at the top of your game in that sense. It's always hard. Um, but like I said, she I think she has set a blueprint for future artists out there. And yes, it is it's it's a hard it's a hard road to go down. And some and some people will fail anyway just because they don't have the personality for it. Or they've just got into the music business just because they caught they caught heat on a song one time and yeah. they just rode that till the wheels fell off. You know, they're not gonna <laughs> you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna be that savvy when it comes to it. Um and uh, I think that's where I think that's gonna, I think that's where you're coming from. Where like you know there are many artists that we obviously know, especially in this decade, um, there have been none of none like any before. A special type of um, a special type of artist where they've just come out of nowhere, and they've uh, and they've and they've gotten hot, and uh, and then a couple of years later they're just gone. You know, it's just it's just how. It's just how it goes, and um, but yeah, I think I've I think I made my point on all that. <laughs> no, I think you, I think you covered that really well. I want to go into uh, the same direction, but a little bit different, like with regards to blueprint and maybe blueprints that are easy to follow. Because mm-hmm. in 2013, trap music, like the tour part one dropped, and it was Young Thug and Rich Homie Kwan, and you know, Future had been dropping some stuff 
uh, like some mixtapes, and Kanye obviously did 808s, and Lil Wayne had done some auto-tune. But I honestly think that this album was the blueprint, and it soundtracked the next four years of hip-hop. Like, that album, if anyone's listened to it, unbelievable piece of music, just because Young Thug was just going crazy with auto-tune, and, you know, Rich Homie Kwan was there as kind of, as I said earlier, the metronome where he was keeping time while Young Thug... And, and reminding us of what normal sounded like, even though normal wasn't really normal yet. And Young Thug was just, I don't know, man. I don't know what you can say. He was just so enigmatic. And then from there, Future entered mainstream with Honest. And then he dropped Monster in the same year. And then Beast Mode came out a couple of months later. And then 2015 just supercharged everything. Uh, DS2 came out. If you're reading this, came out, and what a time to be alive. And to me, that was like game, set, match, trap music. And when I say trap music, this was kind of a second wave of trap music because obviously we had T.I. and Jeezy and Gucci Mane in the early to mid-2000s. Now, that was a more lyrical version of trap music where I've always said this. I honestly think T.I. is one of the best technicians in the game. His flow is insane. If you listen to this guy... I don't know how he does it, but he he remains lyrical. He raps over every beat. He can double time. He's even triple time before. Like he has, he does the triplet flow. He he can do anything. That guy. But this was different. You know, a lot of people were calling this mumble rap. I'm not going to call it mumble rap. I'm going to call it the second wave of trap music. And so I found out these cool this cool statistic, right? Because I wanted to like quantify when it kind of hit. So I went down the. Uh, the highest, the top 10 first selling weeks from 2010 to 2019, and I counted how many of those albums were in this second wave of trap. So 2010 was zero, 2011 one, 2012 two, 2013 three, 2014 zero, 2015 four, 2016 three, 2017 four, 2018 five. That's fifty percent of the the highest consumed first week sales were trap music, and twenty nineteen has been four so far. And to be honest, man, it's totally dominated this genre. And you and I have spoken about it before about when this wave will end. And I was thinking a lot about it because I know that you know this is in the mainstream. And but look, I was thinking about it in in relation to gangster rap and and that kind of subgenre. That yeah. emerged in the early to mid '80s with Ice T, and then NWA yeah. kind of perfected it and brought it to the masses. And then Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Nas immortalized it from '92 to '94, where you know Nas again created a blueprint. And Illmatic was imitatable. You know, it might have been, it might be one of the greatest albums ever released, and it might be one of the most influential albums ever released, but the next 18 years of hip-hop show, 17 years of hip-hop showed that, sorry, not that long, 14 years, showed that it was possible to be imitated. Obviously, you couldn't do it as well. But I'm not going to sit here and say that Reasonable Doubt is better than Illmatic. I don't think anyone can say that. I think Reasonable Doubt was, you know, it was a, a sibling or even a, maybe a child of Illmatic. And so... If we're looking at it objectively, 
it's like 22 years from the mid 80s until 2007 that gangster rap dominated mainstream hip hop even in the early 2000s you got Ja Rule you've got Eminem was very uh, violent in some of his rhymes 50 Cent they all dominated and so I wonder I, I just don't see trap music going anywhere I know that it has dominated the second half of this decade like really dominated really 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 I haven't gone through the number one albums and counted them out but when we did the 50 cent versus kanye piece we mm-hmm. looked at i think we looked at top 10 albums or maybe number one albums and we just saw like a quantifiable drop in the commercial success of gangster rap mm. and we saw i think if i ran the numbers on on trap music it would just be stratus like stratospheric the amount of trap music that's now at the pinnacle of mainstream hip-hop and so i wonder I've always believed that, and I even said it on maybe on a Central Source podcast where I said I think the baby, the baby's twenty nineteen was incredible, but I think twenty twenty might be even better. And I actually predicted the downfall of trap music, but now that I have gone through this and had a look at these statistics and realized that gangster rap ran hip hop for twenty two years. And trap music has only really run hip-hop since, say, 2014, 2015. Yeah. I don't think it's going anywhere. Do you think it will? No. Um, I said I wrote about it at the start of this year, actually, um, that trap has plateaued. um, And the only way for it is down, to be honest. Mm. Um, It can stay up here. It can stay here for a while if it really wants to. But I don't think it can go any higher than this. Um, than where it's gotten to be. Uh, so yeah, answering that question is yeah. But um, just uh, just to talk about Gangster Gangster Rap as well. I'm just threading that in. Um, shout out to Schooly D. Just want to mm. no- notice that out because uh, people keep saying Ice Ice yeah, T was yeah, the first, sorry, and it was actually Schooly D. So I just wanted to throw that in as well. Shout out to Schooly D. Um, but yeah, it's um. Obviously, as a it's interesting to say gangster rap as a comparison because obviously that's one of the more long term subgenres that has come that has come throughout, and you could know you could probably say that Fifty Cent was the genuine last bastion of that kind of um, of that kind of uh, subgenre, so to speak. Yeah, um, and it's obviously come back in a in a way with ma- mafioso rap. Um, if it kind of, I guess, like a offspring of gangster rap, if I guess, not exactly the same thing. Um, it's not exactly, obviously, gangster rap was more about, um, well, gangs, <laughs> and uh, and the uh, 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 mafioso rap is more about, you know, Scarface kind of, uh, kind of Steiner's mm. kind of stuff and cooking up coke true, and true. selling it, and then and then flexing on and then flexing on people like that, soprano kind of rap. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of, that's kind of interesting, and you know, it's is I think there's always going to be a there's always a dominant uh, wave of a hip hop subgenre that has been about, um, and they all and they all have their times to shine. Uh, some longer than others, for better or worse, and I think trap is just one of those. Well, second wave of trap, I guess, is one of those that um, is uh, short lived. Excuse me. In the in the long term, but I guess that's. I guess I want to say that uh, it's part. It's also part of the fact that of the era we we are in right now, where 
things are changing constantly. You know, it's just it's, it's, everyone's on to the next thing. Like, look at this week. Uh, not to not to get on a lighter note, but um, it's kind of just look at this mm. week. Like, literally, like a couple of days ago, ASAP Rocky. Uh, today, the baby. Like, it's just, it's just like. Yeah. It, it just it, the the cycle is just so so fast right now um compared to others compared to other years where um some people could talk about one thing for a whole year and uh you know and, and break it break it down so many freaking ways but um now that same thing that would be breaking down over broken down over a year could be broke down in a week and then you're on to the next thing um, it's rife everywhere. If, if you're talking about news, if you're talking about sports, if you're talking about uh, film, it's, every, it's it's always on to the next thing, the next week. Um, it's kind of that's how long the cycles are now, for better or worse. And um, it's the same with music, and obviously a whole subgenre and its dominance is obviously a bit larger than that in that sense. But it still it still goes faster. Mm. It's all still on the same earth, and uh, you know, point. even though it's larger, it's going to move a little bit slower than the weekly news cycle that you see on uh, BBC or, or, you know, or CNN or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's still, it's still going to go fast. And, uh, I think again, trappers plateaued. The only way is down. Um, I'm starting to see, I, I, I kind of want to ask, like if, if that's the case and we kind of, I guess we kind of agree on that, that the only way is down for trap what's the next thing do you think in terms of looking forward to the to the next decade i mean i don't think it will come quickly whatever it is i don't think do you think it's gonna be another three four years of just like milling around well see the thing is i honestly thought 2018 would be the make or break year for trap music i thought that look the way that i see it is trap music is the uh as you say it's plateaued or it just kind of it's it's the white noise of hip-hop there's always trap music being released okay so an example with 2019 is roddy rich trippy red going number one two weeks in a row nothing else was dropping that week and so hip-hop reverts back to its default which is trap music there's always trap music projects if you go back over every week this year and if we're looking I'm, I'm talking purely in the mainstream there haven't been a huge amount of big name artists releasing this year and the big name artists that have released have basically been trap artists anyway like future and young thug but if you go back over every release week and you say okay what's the biggest hip-hop album coming out this week it's probably a trap album now 2018 was different Everyone freaking dropped in 2018. Everyone dropped in 2018. Nas, Kanye, Jay-Z. Uh, Ken- uh, Kendrick didn't drop. Kendrick dropped Black Panther. I'm still counting that. Cole, everyone dropped. And so I thought 2018 would be the year that we crushed through this trap glass ceiling almost. And then it would create a not a new realm, but maybe like a new sound or a different sound or we could go in a different direction. But clearly that was not the case. Those are just, for example, I'm looking at my Audacity recording right now, right? And when I'm not talking, there's like background noise. That feels like what trap is. And when I'm talking, I can see the levels going up and down. That's 2018, right? Stuff's happening. But when Charlie talks again, it's going to go back to the background noise. There's still noise there. But it's not at the peaks or the, the, the troughs, you know, and we could call like a trough would be revival by Eminem. 
you know? But even a trough can teach you something. Even a trough can be like, okay, we're not going that direction. And clearly it taught Eminem because then he dropped Kamikaze a year later. It was completely different. But I just don't, I didn't see anything new emerge from 2018, despite how much music was released by genuine hip-hop artists. And I just don't think it's going to change for the next two to three years. I do think, though, that it's hard because I'm not a, I'm not young. You know, I feel like the young people know this. I feel like the young people know what the next craze is going. They get, they have so much. They're so much more plugged in. They know what TikTok is. They use Snapchat. They use all these crazy apps. They do all these dances. They play Fortnite. Like all that shit is super influential. And I'm not tapped into that market at all. So I'm always just getting hit in the head by things like, oh, Futsal Shuffle by Lil Uzi Vert. Like, what the fuck is Lil Uzi Vert doing? Like, why didn't he put out an album yet? Why would he put out an album when you think about it? Like, put out a dance. That's where the money is. That's where the that's where the relevancy is. And so, freaking hell, man. I don't know. It could go, like, full crisscross route where everyone's dancing on stage. <laughs> and, like, I, I, I'm excited about it. But I genuinely don't know. I'm I am always reactionary as hip hop numbers or as a listener because back in the day when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, I was on the cutting edge as well. And I was discovering new things. And if I had hip hop numbers back then it might be a different account. But now I'm I'm genuinely reactionary. So I can't I can't predict. What about you? Do you have a, a solid prediction? Um Yes, but not in terms of sound. Um, I think I'm similar to you where, like, I can't... I don't feel like I can gauge where it can where it can go. I think... I think trap elements will still be there. I guess, like, you know, them... Uh, I guess hi-hats will be a real thing. And obviously the, the, the I guess, uh, that real thumpy bass I guess the trap obviously has I think those will still be things but I don't think the way people rap will be uh, the same and as uh, saturated as it has been in the past um, five years especially I think people will be experimenting more on that front and but in terms of predictions I think that will just be like I think lyrically it will be significantly improved uh, from the Mm. year I think I generally think it'll be that. Um, I think I think uh, I think the quality will rise on that front, and um, that's partly just because I'm desperate for it. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I I can't listen to some projects simply because of that. It's just like it's just not it. Sometimes that you know, and and, and one thing I want to say in terms of um, I know we're obviously in a prediction part of the episode, but in terms of one more recap, um, producing has been. Is like is probably one of its uh, its higher qualities uh, in hip hop history, and I you agree. could make it, and you could make a case that um, producers now are you know not not in a skill sense as good as the golden age uh, producers because obviously the way they do things is so much more there's so much more finesse to it, and obviously now it's just literally go on a laptop and uh, just splice some shit together <laughs> so is anyone could do it but um obviously skill wise it's it's not, it's not a competition but i think in terms of sound and actually creating and the reason why some of these artists right now that we've mentioned are even on the hmm. map is because of the producers behind them the, 
Eat the beat. The yeah. amount of the amount of artists that mustard that Metro Boomin that Michael Maders put on in the past ten yeah. years, like it's just absurd. Like we should be talking about them, not yeah, the not the fucking yeah, artists. To be completely real with you, you know what I mean. Um, so in that in that sense, I think like production, um, while it hasn't been you know skillfully at its peak, um, in terms of just getting us to listen. And to get us moving, or to get us in whatever mood it's supposed to get us in, it's achieved that in fucking spades. Um, it's achieved that definitely. Um, oh, but, but yeah, just that's, just that's just a thought I wanted to throw out. But yeah, in terms of predictions, um, I just think lyrically, I think it'll be much more. I think they'll be much more upgraded. Uh, that's partly I said uh, <laughs> it is partly because of de- because of desperation. But I do feel like there is a there is something there. Um, but on the flip side, I do recognize that, um, especially in the US, there are many, there are many times where I think there are going to be albums where it's just going to be so, I think being personal is going to be, I think a big thing, um, in terms of talking about issues, um, whether you consider, I guess, I guess authenticity will be a real thing to talk about because there's gonna i think there'll be many eyes where it's the wave is going to be talking about something um that is obviously an epidemic in many ways you can talk about you could talk about racist issues you could talk about suicide you could talk about drugs you could talk about um the economy uh you know any, any anything you know, any so social or political problem um and we could possibly have that many conversations about where we're going to see some artist drop an album that talks about a certain issue and we're going to be like when have you ever talked about that though beforehand like or, or and you know it's just going to be those kind of arguments where people are going to fawn over this artist because oh they're talking about the issues I, t- I care about and then there are going to be people that are just going to be like yeah but he's only doing it because that's what's on the news right now and that's what people that's what the the wave is you know if you want to be cynical about it you know suicide is the wave (laughs) taking drugs is the wave you know what i mean it's just gonna be that kind of it's gonna be that kind of friction i believe um in terms of content but sound wise i i don't bloody know bro (laughs) I, I don't bloody know. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be very fascinating. I do think trap will just be, again, I think he'll be there, you know, for for the next five years, and then the and then the next five, uh, the 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 last uh, half of the twenty twenties will have something completely different. Uh, whatever it is, maybe it'll reach back, um, to something that we've heard before and is mixed up a little bit. Hopefully, you know, you never know, because um, that's what obviously hip hop is, and I've said that before. Um, it's all about the history on that front. Uh, but I do want to say, and I think I've said this before, but I really do believe um, that um, I think either Chicago or even Detroit um, will make a real push in terms of just being that city that delivers that quality hip-hop that we need right now. Um, obviously Atlanta has been the thing, uh, for the past, for the past seven, eight years. Um, and I, and you know, Miami's there at the moment, just, just peeking, just peeking his head out a little bit, but not exactly, you know, strong arming. New York and LA is always going to be there. 
But I really do think Detroit and Chicago will have just a renaissance uh, for themselves artistically and will, uh, I think, really set a tone, um, hopefully. Um, this is kind of very subjective because I want these things to happen. Um, they're not really obje- objective <laughs> opinions. But, uh, you know, I think I think there's something to believe there and uh, um, something that um, we can all hope for, I guess, in terms of uh, seeing something new because, um, you know, it's always, you know, all the all this stuff is all this stuff is cool, but you know, it's always a time when you have to shed skin. And now that hip hop is, and that's another recap. That's kind of the the recap of recaps. Hip hop is the mo- the most uh, mainstream mu- uh, music entity right now in most in most corners of the world, and uh, that's something that really needs to be hailed um, for better or worse. And and another thing, actually, in terms of predictions, I think hip hop will get even more international, and I'd like to say I'd like to personally attest to that because I've listened to some amazing international hip hop in the past year. Um, I've listened I've, I've listened to some stuff like about five projects from Africa, all different. Um, like Sampa the Grey, uh, 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 alternate ending is that the album or the artist? I forgot. Uh, Nadia Nikkei. I think her name is Saber Capstad. Like, there's some good shit out there, man. And I think there really needs to be a exploration. And if people really do it, and if they really want to do it, then you'll find some good shit out there. Because there's some great international hip hop out there right now, and um, now they're finally coming up in terms of quality, I believe. So um, that's another prediction I'd like to see happen. I think this is all stuff I'd like to see happen. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly like I I I objectively think this will happen. I just want this shit to happen, to be honest. <laughs> In a perfect said, way. I, I honestly believe you settled on the reason why hip hop sounds the way it does now for a myriad of of like different reasons to use the same word twice. I think what you're talking about is the culmination of the internet age yes. and the streaming age and the social media age where we didn't really know what was going to happen in the mid to late 2000s with social media. Obviously, it was nowhere near as ubiquitous as it is now. What I think has happened is that the reason hip-hop has deviated so dramatically from the 90s and the early 2000s especially with regards to even the underground, and we're talking about SoundCloud rappers who don't rap as uh, hard-edged as they once did, is because, I don't want to say this the right way or like say it as eloquently as possible. Back in the 90s, you know, hip-hop was region-based. And so these regions would come together and it would be a collective sound. And I'm not saying that they all ripped each other off. I'm saying that they spoke about the experiences they were going through together. And a lot of it was quite violent. It was, you know, systemic oppression. It was uh, being suffering at the hands of racism and all the offsprings of that, all the things that filtered down from that systemic oppression, whether it be drug dealing, drug taking, uh, violence, And now that social media has taken over and the young people who are entering the game are getting their information and news and their community is online now. You know, it's not... Look, I'm not saying I've done the studies to prove this, 
but I'm just making drawing a conclusion from the way that hip hop has changed in the sound. And as you say, it's become much more personal. It's become more even isolated, like people are rapping more about suicide, about mental illness, about isolation, about drug taking. Yeah. And I feel like it's because young people who are the always going to set the pace of a genre, their community is online. And that community is so varied and diverse in race, in background, in socioeconomic status. It's not like they're going outside and they're hanging out with their friends and then they're going into the studio and rapping about what they discovered while they were hanging out with their friends. It's like they're talking to people online and reading articles and seeing tweets and then they're rapping about what they're seeing online. Mm. And so I think that's why there's been a move away from, I guess, the subgenre of gangster rap and a move towards trap music because what I truly think, as you were speaking, I was thinking about this because from 2015 to 2019, it's reminded me a lot of pop music, hip-hop. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. What I think pop music does is it creates basically a very generic blank canvas. And instead of projecting emotion and experience onto you, you project your emotion and experience onto the song. Mm. Now, the difference I see it as during the 90s and the early 2000s when I got into hip-hop, that I was learning, okay? I, I couldn't... None, none, none of what they said resonated with me because I don't understand. Like, I never lived that life. I've never been involved in in that kind of life. And so I was learning, but I was learning in an intellectual way, in an emotional way. But, but you know, you got to remember that I'm quite an aware and awake person. And so I don't think there are a lot of people around me who were... Who, I didn't have any friends who listened to hip-hop. Because they listen to it, they're like, well, that's not for me, that's not about me, it's got nothing to do with me, I find it hard to connect with that music. Mm. Now, I think that hip-hop has become, not. I'm not saying bland, but I'm saying it's become a little bit more boiled down and a little bit more generic, yeah. so that, as you say, it's become more internationally renowned and, and, and it resonates with more people. It doesn't really resonate. It's just giving... A vibe and a sound and an energy that you can then project whatever you're feeling onto that song and it feels like it's resonating mm-hmm. and that's why i think that it is supercharged to the top of the charts and it is it dominated pop music in 2018 absolutely dominated pop music in 2018 and that's why i honestly think that what you said is 100 percent correct it will become more personal Authenticity will be very important because we've already seen an example of that where Logic has been crucified this decade, and rightfully so, for proving that he's been entirely in non-authentic, inauthentic. Like he saw that, yeah, much more rapping about, mm-hmm. yeah, rapping about mental health and suicide was a vibe, which <laughs> it should never be. And he tried to ca- he tried to catch the wave, and he caught the wave, but then he was exposed, and he's never going to recover from that. You know, it's it's just not going to happen because you know, a bulk of his fan base probably gravitated towards him because they felt he was... And the difference, I'm going to say, is J. Cole. I've been going over KOD, and whilst it's not my favorite project from Cole, and I I don't feel it's super authentic, he's trying, and he's not pretending that he's part of this life. He's, you know, he's playing roles and characters in order to deliver a message and I think that is that's fine. It's really hard to do. I don't think most people will be able to do that. But then I think in the second half of next decade, it's gonna 
or the first half, it's going to head more towards pop because I just think pop yeah. is hip hop is it's like um what did we talk about? We talked about on the label article something like when you feed. I don't know, but but it's supercharged hip hop to the top of the charts, and when someone and we spoke about it on the female rap episode as well, like when you're seeing someone achieving significant amount of success doing something, and you're a young person, you want to aspire to that. And whilst we might champion artists like Griselda for keeping it 100% true to themselves, and I listened to an interview with uh, Peter Rosenberg, who is the worst interviewer in the history of hip hop. Inter- he is. <laughs> horrible he's awful he's unlistenable but he asked them will you ever do the pop single and they said no we're never going to do the pop single under no circumstances are we going to try and put out a pop single and that's admirable but that's like rare man and i think that most people well he's garbage come on man he's fucking garbage he's like oh oh, guys if i I could give you a minute the minute of glorious uh uh, imitation that Ben gave, uh, it was absolutely fucking glorious. It was like one of the best minutes of vo- voice message I've ever gotten from anybody. It was so class. Absolutely glorious. It was so spot oh, on too. I'm not going to reenact but, it, but it was fucking amazing. Just just take my word for it. But yeah, that's what I, I just honestly think that, um, I think you're 100% right. I, I never even thought about lyrical content. I was thinking about sound. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're 100% right. It's going to go down more personal route. It's going to be more authenticity is going to be important and it's going to be music that puts us in a mood and gives us a vibe certainly my experience on twitter i know what artists work and what artists don't work on twitter and the artists that do work are the ones that are connecting with the emotion of the listener earl sweatshirt has a massive following on twitter huge following childish gambino j cole kendrick obviously all these artists are getting bulk views and then you've got artists like Rick Ross, Jay-Z, Jeezy, T.I. They don't get that many views because, you know, they're talking about things that are in a realm that we can't really, <clears throat> I guess, connect with as easily. Like, I'm still learning from them. But, yeah, I, I, I think you're right, man. I think that I think that's the direction it's going to go. I think it will just continue in this direction. I don't know what it's going to sound like. But with regards to producers, 100% correct, man. They... These these producers out here are creating artists. Like they're they're breaking art. They're the new DJs. Like they're but they're not DJs because they're they're the reason why these artists are so successful. If you take forty out of Drake's career, I would be so Oof. interested to see where that that career Oof. is. So interested because yep. <laughs> where would it be? Like I don't know. And there are some artists that can do it without that. I, I would say Nicki Minaj has done it without having a signature producer. Yeah. But I think that, you know, artists like Drake just, man, I don't know. I think he's a very talented artist. But I just don't think he would be at the pinnacle he is without someone like 40. Mm. Um, just a note, I meant to say The Lost and Found. Uh, their album was called Alternate Ended. I just wanted to shout that out. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's been an odd... It's, it's, it's not been a, a, a fucking weird decade like the 2000s were, but it's been a very transitionary um i think period in terms of just how hip-hop is obviously the pop element that you've uh put forward is um i think it's obviously a very poignant uh statement to make um there are many ice and we've seen already 
that aren't exactly hip hop biased, but they've used hip hop sounds just because, and you know, and just because it's the wave, and you know, that's just how it goes. And you know, we have we as hip hop fans have to, you know, um, I guess stave off that kind of that kind of thing um, because obviously, in some fashion, it's it's a very it's a it's a white collar thing um, to just push forward whatever's uh, whatever's the uh, flavor of the month. And, you know, it's, a, it's just a matter of trying to, again, just trying to find gems that are holding the ideals of the original five elements um, afloat. And, uh, but yeah, that's that's me. Um, I'll leave it at that since, you know, I said the five elements. I kind of just, I feel like I feel obliged to, <laughs> to have to, to leave it there. Um, what I will say, uh, just to finish, uh, is that, I've always looked for, as as you you mentioned, obviously, um, I guess learning um, from from mice and like learning environments just from the music, and you know I feel like that's still a thing, um, amongst mm. amongst everything else. I think uh, there are I think some of the best albums have been those that have talked about um, things around people and not always inside people, even though the ones inside are also good as well. Where we can name a few. But, uh, yeah, I think the ones that always look outward and commentate are always the ones that, if done well, are always worth listening to. And I think those will always be there. Um, I think that's just always a... I think they'll just always be ever-present because that's just how some people like to look at music and like to do their art by looking out and some like looking inward, um, mm. for better or worse. But, uh, yeah, man, it's... Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, next decade. It has been an interesting decade. Um, we didn't even get into like personal stuff, <laughs> personal stuff, but uh, no, nice. it's been it's been a real growth decade for me personally. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's music-wise, just been uh, I think really, really transitionary from a I guess uh, from a business standpoint and from a just uh, identity I think standpoint as well. <sighs> That's going to be interesting. Uh, we showed it there uh, with a well. Do you want to do a light note? I actually have one actually, but. Uh, I just, I just want to say quickly, just before we finish this, I just want to say rest in peace to the people that we lost this decade. Because I posted this up this morning, and um, it's, it's a lot. Like, it's actually really surprising. So, this decade we've lost Mac Miller, XXX Tentacion, Juice World, Nipsey Hussle, Prodigy Guru, Nate Dog, Five Dog, Heavy D, ASAP Yams, Adam Yorch, Bushwick Bill, Sean Price, Lil Peep, Lil Snoop. Fredo Santana, Speaker Knockers, Doe Bankroll Fresh, Capital Steez, Shorty Low, Stack Bundles, Chinks Drugs, Jimmy Wapo, The Real G Money, Lil Fat, The Jacker, Young Pap, Young Pappy, and L.A. Capone, and I'm sure I'm missing some in there as well. Um, it's a long list, man, and yeah, it's been a rough decade for hip-hop in that regard, so yeah, I just want to say rest in peace to those those people. Yes, indeed. Shout out to them. And uh, for my lighter note, I guess, um, on a genuine lighter note, um, shout out to Chuck D. Um, he is going to be inducted into, I think, the Recording Academy uh, Hall of Fame. And, you know, in the words of LeBron James, about damn time. <laughs> uh as you guys, some of you guys know, if you listen to What's Good, I always start the show by... Um, referencing 
Chuck D uh, bring the noise and you know it's always something that it's always something that uh, a lifetime achievement award but uh, just by the way uh, from what it was not the hall of fame but uh, mm. yeah this is something that from a hip hop perspective um, <clears throat> has been very seminal um, in terms of his message and has been and he has been extremely like from an authenticity standpoint boy he's Mount Rushmore because <laughs> That dude has been rock solid from day one, and uh, that's something uh, is always worth uh, aspiring to. And also, um, shout out to the state of New York who have finally, finally uh, given money to uh, the Universal Hip Hop Museum. Um, they have given three point seven million dollars for the Universal oh, Hip Hop nice. Museum to be built in the heart of the Bronx. And I cannot be happier from that from that standpoint. It's been a few, they've been. The committee from there, from the University of Hip Hop Museum, have been trying to get funding for years. It's been about five, I think, like three to three to five year project now. And um, yeah, man, I'm so I'm so happy they're finally able to break ground, and uh, can't wait to see how it looks. And yeah, man, I fi- finally getting a finally getting a genuine hip hop museum that can you know solidify the foundations because I feel like especially in this particular year and years past, there have been many people that have been trying to change history um, in terms of what hip hop is. And like you're saying, like, you know, oh, this is this person's the first person to do this. And it's like, no, that's that was done like 30 years ago. You've just rehashed mm. it. <laughs> it's something that when mm. Blueface came around, it was like, oh, who, 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 who else is doing this offbeat shit? And I'm like, what well, is uh, this guy called E-40, E40 that has been around for like oh, 30 man. fucking years? Uh. <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, this history, gross. this history, and just just that, just that alone, that particular story alone is like is why we need stuff like this. Is why we need hip hop museum um, to solidify the foundations and to give people that knowledge and somewhere to go to to see where the beginnings were, who begun what, who has who has rehashed something and, and made it better or whatever. Just but for fuck's sake stop getting shit wrong like that pretty much and just stop that kind of stuff going wrong and in this age obviously stuff spreads quickly and uh but yeah i I don't want to get in a spiel but um yeah man i'm i'm happy about that 3.7 mil um i assume that's they're gonna ask for uh more donations um because obviously that's always that's that's always uh how museums run um but yeah if, if you if you if you if you're off, if you if you ever going to the Bronx, if you ever want to go to the Bronx for a reason, that's a damn good reason to go, and that's going to be a reason I I'm going to go someday. So uh, I can't wait for that. Can't wait for them to break ground and can't wait to see what it looks like. That's awesome. Um, my lighter note actually just you just said my lighter note, which is incredible. Uh, stop getting things wrong, people. <laughs> stop getting things wrong. Okay, DMX never had two number one albums in a calendar year this is the most popular myth (laughs) firstly people so i had to change it so firstly people would say (coughs) sorry that he was the first hip-hop artist to have two number one albums in a calendar year now that was about 12 months ago people were saying that and i came out and i said look tupac did it in 96 all eyes on me don caluminati so firstly dmx is not the first and on the second point, he never even did it. So in 1998, for example, he went number one with his debut album, which was Is Dark and Hell Is Hot. 
Now his second album came out December 22, 1998. Uh, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. It did not go number one in 1998. It only went number one January 9, 1999. Garth Brooks, Double Life. Then people were saying, yeah, but they mean, uh, and then there was X, because that came out 1999. No, it didn't go number one until the year 2000. So this whole spiel, like Complex tweeted it, this Complex tweeted it this morning and said, congratulations, DMX, second rapper ever to go to have two number one albums in the same year. No, he didn't. Like, why are people still saying that? It's so easy. You just It took me three minutes to Google this. And it just frustrates me, man. People don't know their history. It's the same with the J. Cole uh, Platinum with no features, like the first person. <laughs> He's not, man. LL Cool J did that shit in 1987. Bigger and deafer. And then MC Hammer went double platinum with his debut with no features. Like, how did... 1987 It was the first time it was done, people. LL Cool J did it. Like, come on. And it just frustrates me because you're right. Misinformation spreads so rapidly to the point where an outlet like Complex is tweeting this out. Complex should know better, man. Come on, Complex. Sort yourself out. It's not factually correct. And there's been, you know, people saying, oh, they mean within 365 days of each other. There's been so many times that's been done. I'm sure it's been done prior, 300, between 365 days between number one albums. Like, uh, it's, yeah, so I think a hip-hop museum is an incredible thing. And I, that's actually one of the only reasons why I want to go to New York. Because I don't really want to go to New York that much, uh, but I want to go there for the history. And that would be a massive thing for me. I would I would really like to see that. And we shall end it there. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been Dean Digits. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Last episode of the year and of the decades, uh, 2010s and 2019. Next week, we'll be talking about the year in hip-hop. That's going to be fun. <laughs> I feel hey, like I'm just going to bitch and moan. I don't know why, but I just feel really? it coming. I'm just going to bitch and moan uh, for one particular oh, thing. You can just be we'll like... See. <laughs> You could just be like me for every week because that's all I ever do on this podcast. I listen back. I'm like, Ben, just stop being so angry and old. <laughs> just shaking your fist at the clouds in the sky. Like, just calm the fuck down and chill out, bro. Oh, man. oh and I thought I was the uh, get off my lawn guy. So, um, I am in most circles, but um, you raised a bar. Oh, you met me. <laughs> I, aspire to, I aspire to have your level of fist pumping. Uh, don't. <laughs> don't ever do that. You don't want to be like this. This is a sad existence, man. Fuck. <laughs> oh, who, will be, who will be more curmudgeonly? Come, uh, come next episode. We shall find out. But until then, I have been Charlie Taylor of The Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a great week. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great Christmas holiday and whatever holiday you celebrate. Um, mm. But uh, we all should also always try and do the same. But until the next time, for the last time next week, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. That sounds like it's the last episode ever. And we're not dying, okay? For this year. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> all right, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show, piece and video games by bonus points. 
Daisy Trail Breakers for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and Trail Breakers will be in the description wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast network and hip hop by numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time for the final time of 2019. I'm digging in digits.